Welcome to Shaking Sports Journeys. Thank you for joining us. Um, please be sure to be subscribing to the channel. Much appreciated. Free, of course. A uh, couple of great guests today. I'm up early this morning. Got my coffee, 8.30 in the morning in Glasgow. And I'm checking in with a, a couple of chaps from the other side of the world. Um, two identical twins, as you can see. Well, actually, James seems to have kept the flow of the hair going a little bit. Hamish seems to have, have pulled it in a little bit. But I welcome the... Uh, the super identical twins of New Zealand and, and ex Black Caps, James and Hamish Marshall. How are you, chap? You good, Shaky? How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Very well, very well. It's been interesting trying to set this up. 12 hour time difference, but we got there. We got there in the end. How are you, James? Yeah, good. Very good. I've um, sort of my kids put them in front of the TV so they don't disturb us. Good. I'm glad, glad to hear it. So, I'm going to go through a wee, uh, wee snippet of your careers today. Um, I thought it would be fun to start with a few stories how I actually know you chaps. So with Hamish, um, I reckon we're talking about 17, 18 years ago now. Um, I was a, an MCC young cricketer at the time. You were over as a, an overseas pro uh, for a cricket club called Gerrard's Cross and a chap called Wilshie, who was my coach at MCC, had said, listen, come and play for my club on a Saturday. I stroll in, I'm opening the batting with this bloody whiz kid, Kiwi, who just looks like, I, I was like, this guy's an absolute gun. I don't need to do much here. I just need to keep rotating the strike. But that was a long time ago, mate. Good memories at Gerard's Cross? Oh, great memories. I um, I was lucky to get there, actually. I didn't have a club in about oh, 2000 or 2001. And I um, I knew Welshie from when I was on the MCC like you were. And um, I had some fond memories. He's a great man. And I thought, I'll give him a call, see if he has anywhere I could go. And he, he sorted me out at Gerard's Cross. And I had three brilliant seasons there. Loved the place, loved the people. And, uh, yeah, the standard of cricket was good and, you know, got to meet plenty of new people like yourself. Well, she used to bring them in from the MCC Young Cricketers and used to get them in each year and uh, that was really good. Yeah, no, great, great, great memories. And James, um, I actually remember you from a couple of times I've crossed paths with you, but one um, in particular was you both played at my home ground um, in Scotland, Clydesdale Cricket Club. You both were playing for the MCC um, against what was kind of a Scotland, it was, we had a good Scotland strong A team. Um, you both got a couple of runs. Interesting trip to Glasgow, mate. Yeah, no, interesting. Um, a lot of those MCC trips were quite interesting, to be honest with you. Um, good opportunity to meet some some new faces and people you've seen, you've seen a few names before, and just meet some new people. Oh, but. Now, that Glasgow trip was good. Um, we were well looked after. Um, I think it was probably a tactic by Scotland um, cricket to get plenty into us during the night. And in the day, we're a bit battle wind. But, um, yeah, no, it was good fun. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I remember I remember in particular, both of you batted. You must have, I think both of you probably got 50s. Um, and it was just quality to watch. These two, you know, hair flowing out the back of the helmet. You can't tell the difference between who's who, and you were just, uh, it was a pleasure to watch. So, you know, it was it was great to have you over in Scotland. So going into your careers now, identical twins. Tell me the pros and cons of this. I can imagine that from time to time, you're looking for something to wear and you just pull something off your brother or something, or maybe you're just complete opposites. I don't know. But tell you, you guys tell me pros and cons. Well, I guess oh. growing up, it was like having a good mate, um, you know, at home the whole time, someone you could get outside and play with and, you know, on the in the backyard, play cricket and, and we played heaps of rugby, tennis, whatever we could, got out on the farm and ran around. So from that point of view, um, you always had a mate, uh, which was really good. Uh, we had gone into plenty of fights though. So, the, the you know, the cons of that were that we uh, we had to run and uh, run away from each other from time to time because one would be very angry and the other one would be laughing because I'd done something and um, it got brutal at times, but no, from that point of view, growing up, it was brilliant. James? Yeah, I think um, Hamish summed it up quite nicely. And I think from mum and dad's point of view, the fact that they uh, they had the chance of actually watching two of their kids bat, and if one failed, they had another opportunity. It's a long day at cricket um, to watch your, your lad get a first baller or you know not get many runs or whatever. But um, no, we had a lot of fun. We, we, we bounced a lot of ideas of each other. I think it, once one got a bit better, the other one had to catch up and we're sort of always competing. Um, so no, we were, it was, it was pretty special to sort of have a, a close um, family member that was sort of at the same level and you, you sort, of, sort of followed each other's paths. It was, yeah, we're very lucky. No, awesome. Awesome. 
um, always somebody to give you throwdowns or do something with that. You know, that must have, that must have been that must have been awesome. Um, you, you mentioned other sports there. So you boys strike me as that you were quite sporty, active pretty much throughout your life. You mentioned rugby, you mentioned tennis. Were you quite good at those sports? Quite a bit of tennis when we were younger, yeah. We did a bit of that um, at school and bits and bobs. But, I mean, rugby was our, our other sport we absolutely loved. And I guess we didn't really pick a sport. Uh, we, we probably thought we might have been better at, at cricket. James certainly had some opportunities in rugby later on and um, at the end of school. But in terms of those two, those were our two main sports. But growing up, we did also gymnastics, athletics, touch rugby. Um, so you just got involved in whatever you could. And I guess at the time, that was what you did. You know, we didn't have the, the opportunities that kids have now with different things like devices and stuff. So it was get out and about and get into it. And our parents gave us the opportunity. They were happy to drive us all over the place around our little town and drop us off at certain sporting events and things. James, when did cricket really start taking shape? And, and were you both, you know, uh, let's say 11, 12 years old, who was the kind of, was it a front runner out of the two of you that looked like, you know, this boy, he, he's going to be a player or were you both quite side by side? Yeah, I think when we were younger, um, the 11, 12 age, I was more of a bowler um, and Hamish was the batter. So I'd, I'd bat down at eight and, do, you know, trundle in and bowl my dibbly dobblies and, and Hamish would sort of be batting at three and, and was scoring quite heavily, actually got you know, some, some big scores for a young fella, at, you know, in our, in our cricket. Um, and it wasn't until maybe around 15 is when I just got shoved into opening one game and, and ended up getting a few runs. And it sort of just went from there. Um, and I think I just probably more, it wasn't I didn't have the, 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 the skill, it was just I probably didn't have the opportunity because they sort of saw me as a bit of a bowler as well. Um, but then the bowling yeah, completely went one way and, and the batting sort of took off. Um, and, I th- and, then, and then you started to see when Hamish and I batted together that, that, um, that partnership of playing so much cricket in the backyard, understanding, watching each other play so much cricket, just that running between the wickets um, and also in the field, um, just our, our understanding of how each other would you know, use angles and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, probably, probably 15 is when, when we both, I think, not st- we were serious because we loved the game, but we sort of realised it might have a, a little bit of, a bit of talent here that could, you know, we could go somewhere. You, when you were young and coming through and your era, who were the, who were the heroes that you aspired to be? Yeah, interesting. Um, we used to actually, when we were really young, mum and dad had tickets at Eden Park and we used to have an orchard. So we grew kiwi fruit and nashi pears and peaches and bits of bobs. And mum and dad would always do a five day and we'd get a couple of days off school. So we'd, head on down there and often we had a you know a box of fruit and we'd knock on the on the back of the southern stand it was and uh, the change room attendant would come out and we'd hand the a box of peaches in and the flower or the time that just New Zealand team the black cat players in. So the Crow brothers and Mark Great Batch and guys like that they'd get these um, get this fruit and, and in the end I think they used to have, we used to have mum and dad used to have uh, what used to call boot parties after a day's play and quite often some of the players, especially Mark Great Batch used to come out have a beer with mum and dad and throw the ball to James and I. So he was someone that we looked up to when we were really, really young um, and sort of kept in touch with. I personally love to watch Mark War as a batter when he played um, in the in the Aussie Tri-Series game. So he was someone I certainly loved watching a bit. Yeah, awesome. Love watching, love watching Mark War play. Class off the legs. Pleasure, pleasure to watch. Which you were, you were really good off your legs as well. I remember, I remember it well. You would anything on middle and leg. It was, uh, it was out of there. I thought yeah. I thought I only had one shot, the old cut shot. The cut shot was good as well. The cut <laughs> shot was all I had. Well. And I, I, thought you were, I thought you were pretty good. Your, I you were pretty good off your legs as well. James, under the first main achievement I see, and it was pretty cool that both of you were involved in it, was the under nineteen World Cup. Uh, you're talking nineteen ninety eight, I think, um, where you both represented the the Black Caps or New Zealand under nineteen team, you would call them. You made the final. You played against England, so it was obviously a successful trip. How did you? How did you do personally? Uh, yeah, the trip went well as a team. You know, we played really well. We um, a lot of those players in that team went on and played, you know, first class and and um, had some. A few of them had some really good careers in the Black Caps, um, and we we had a good little balanced side. And and we 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 didn't start too well. I think we lost our first game to South Africa quite heavily. Was, no, to England, actually. Sorry, to England in the, in the pool round. But we ended up playing them in the final. And 
I think everyone contributed during the whole tournament. Um, I had a, you know, some pretty good innings at, at um, crucial times, which was really good. Um, and I opened the batting with a, a, a farming boy called David Kelly, who's a bit of a character, and he also had a good tournament. And, and I think that was quite a good um, one reason, one of many reasons that got us through the final was the, the opening partnership seemed to sort of give us a bit of a start. Um, it was great to have Hamish. It was my first sort of major trip overseas. Um, might have been my first trip overseas at all. Crikey, I think it was actually. Um, and it was great to have Hamish there involved. You know, you've seen the world. You're in a fantastic place, South Africa. You're playing against your peers of, of, of sort of similar and better quality. Um, there were some world-class players there that, that tournament. Um, but, yeah, fond memory of that tournament. Really fond memory. It was a fantastic trip. How did you go in the tournament, Hamish? Did you bat three? Um, I was, if, if I'm honest, I was lucky to be there. James hasn't quite told the story. I, I didn't get on the team to begin with. So Michael Paps uh, popped his shoulder, I think, in the, in the swimming pool. So he had to come home injured. And at the time, Dale Hadley was the coach. And because Michael was the backup wicketkeeper, they asked James if I'd done a bit of keeping. And I'd done a little bit, but very little. And James just put, said, yeah, he's done heaps. He's done heaps. So I turned up. And I and I had and I had to put the gloves on on my first day there. They were playing a game actually, and I was just there watching and helping out with the drinks. And they took me into the nets and threw balls at me with you know keeping up the stumps. And I must have dropped fifty percent of them. And he was scratching his head, thinking, "What has happened here? James has done me like a kipper." So I was just I was happy to be there. But I done a bit of keeping. Got there. I didn't play a lot of the games. I did play in the final and played a few other games. Um, but, yeah, I didn't go as well as James. James, he mentioned David Kelly. Him and David Kelly had brilliant tournaments. Um, and I think our bowlers did pretty well in middle order. Guys like James Franklin um, had a pretty good tournament. Soon after that, though, it's crazy how your, your career goes, Hamish. You made your test debut. Like, obviously, you both go on to play first-class cricket. You're Northern Districts boys. You've, you've played... James has played uh, pretty much all your career with Northern Districts. Hamish is obviously travelled around a little bit and we'll, we'll talk about that but at 21 years old you make your test debut did that call come a little bit out of the blue or were you expecting it what what should what did you say oh if you looked at my record at the time I certainly wasn't expecting it I think my highest score was about 58 in first class cricket but we'd just come off a tour of India and A to a um, sort, of, sort of development tour and we played a lot of games and the convenience sector was there and Richard Hadley it was and there's a few others and I ended up um, getting a, only batted a couple of times because I got sick through heat exhaustion at Chennai. It's so hot there. And I got 100 and then I had about a week off and then I came back and then I got another 100. So effectively, my two innings were quite good. And then when, with a lot of injuries in the New Zealand team, because at the time I was in form um, or had just runs in India, uh, that's how I basically got selected, I believe. And went on that tour, not expecting to play much, just carry drinks. And I pretty much did. And it got to the third test and I was actually told at the warm-ups that I wasn't going to play. And uh, I said, oh, okay, no worries. So that's fine. And then the, the net session happened and I saw Craig Spearman leave the nets and start chatting to um, Tristy, and, uh, who's the coach. And he said, oh, and there was something going on. And then Tristy came up to me and said, Hamish, you need to put the pads on. We need to have a look at you. So effectively, I felt like I was having a trial in the nets and they're pretty green. So I had a bit of a bat and he, and he said, look, you're going to have to play tomorrow. Um, Craig, Craig's pulled out. I'm not sure it was injury or what. And uh, and so, yeah, that's how I basically got my test debut. Crazy, crazy. I mean, you would you would think you would have a lot. It really just came out the came out the blue. But obviously, you were you were in fine form on that tour. Coaches took a liking to what they've seen. And, and then you went. You, you did well, though, compared to compared to the rest of your team. You batted, I think, around seven and you gutsed out a 40, which was not a bad effort considering I think the rest got fairly rolled in that in that innings. Yeah, um, to be honest, it was a really tough wicket and there were some quick bowlers at the time bowling. And Nantini was there, Pollock. Um, Callis was bowling pretty quick and a young fella in gum. And uh, and I batted seven, so it was quite nice being down the order watching it. But the wonder is you side on, so you can just see the ball um, going through at rapid pace. The keeper's miles back at Boucher at the time. But that innings was, um, it took me an hour to get off the mark. I think I faced 30-something balls to get off the mark. I got a clap when I got my quick single. Um, which, which even I was laughing about because it was it was tough work. I must have got hit three times in the helmet and the arm and the ribs. Uh, it was a tough it was a tough um, introduction, but I uh, certainly enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't you know wouldn't have changed a thing. It was uh, it was just nice to be out there. The, the thing about the Wanderers is, is there's a tunnel you walk down when you when you walk onto the ground, and that was probably the most intimidating bit because 
Northern South African supporters are banging on it, and they're certainly not you know, doing it for support. They're um, they're after you. So, um, walking through that and all the noise was, was pretty intimidating. Yeah, then getting out to twenty-two yards, the attack you just mentioned there. That was a quick attack. The, the boy in Gam, if it wasn't for uh, back injuries, he was up there as one of the, the quickest in the world as well. So, yeah, better you than me, mate, at 21 years old, walking out to face that. What was it like for you, James, sitting at home with the family, watching him walk out at uh, at the Wanderers? Were you were you worried for him or, you know, were you excited for him? What were the feelings? Um, I remember I was in Hamilton. I had a game of cricket the next day, one day for Northern Districts and... And um, I think I must have got to sleep maybe four or four or five because Hamish had batted right through, spent a lot of time. I'm just watching it. And then the game started at 10.30, so I didn't get much sleep. And I was, I was, sitting, I was in a, I was rooming with a fellow called Neil Parlane who played a lot of cricket with Hamish and I and all the age groups. And he sat up with me as well and watched it. We were pretty pretty knackered. But, yeah, it was pretty – it was um, – I suppose with at that stage, obviously hadn't hadn't sort of tasted test level, but you sort of saw a Hamish guts it out, and yeah, there's a fair bit of pride there because it wasn't an easy wicket. It was a very good batting attack, uh, bowling attack, and um, Hamish, you know, got a couple in the scone, um, which is always going to rattle you a bit, and he should have just sort of stuck at it and fought. And I think that's sort of um, a, a reason why Hamish's uh, international career went so well is because he had that temperament to you know just get past those tough periods. Yeah, no, that's. Must have been a bit nerve-wracking watching from that hotel room. You know, your brother's up against the, the fire there. But, yeah, as you say, he guts, he guts it out um, and he went on to have a, a great career. You yourself, James, you had an interesting introduction to Test cricket. Couple, You know, let's fast forward a couple of years. 2005, how you doing, mate? Here's a phone call. You're in against the Aussies. You know, you, you're coming in against probably at the time best Test team in the world or up, very, very up there. What, what was that like to, to experience? Uh, oh, yeah. It was. You get selected. You're excited. You're playing against Aussie. You sort of. I think when you when you get rung up, the thought of who you're up against wasn't really on your mind straight away. It's more about the excitement. Um, and then you, you get to uh, we were playing in Auckland's the third test. I think Craig McMillan was was dropped, and, and Stephen Flynn went down to four, and I came into opening. And uh, I remember. There was talk that they'd won, uh, no, they'd won the first test and drawn the second. I'm not hundred sure, but they're thinking, well, do we play Brett Lee in this test? And I'm, I'm thinking, crikey, I don't need to face that on my debut. But they, in, in the in the background, they still had Kasperwicz, Gillespie, McGrath, Warren. You know, it was a fair attack anyway. Um, and leading up to it, look, yeah, I think I think I was probably the excitement probably took away a bit of nerves as well. Um, the excitement of it, and then once you're into it, you, you sort of get into a groove. It was quite, um, it was quite interesting that first sort of morning session we were put into bat, and I, I it didn't it didn't feel any different um, until you started to get into a bit of a rhythm, and then the Aussies started to not go right. We need to start chipping away. So then you start getting it in your a bit, um, and then Hamish came out to bat, and we I think we might have put on. 40 or 50 together. So it was quite, you know, it was quite good to experience being out there on your first day and, and back with your brother. Yeah, that's that's something that's, that brings me on to my next thing. You are both the first, and I think you still hold the record, identical pair of twin brothers. Obviously, we had Mark Waugh and Steve Waugh, but you, they're not as identical as as you two are. You know, that's a, that, that's a very proud achievement for your family. I can only imagine the excitement as your family looked on and watched the two of you fighting against the Aussies in a test match doesn't get any bigger than that. No, I think also, um, yeah, I mean, just the twin thing, it's it's not that common. The, um, and then you chuck the identical twins in and, um, you know, there, there are a few, you know, famous New Zealand identical twins. You've got the Swindale, you know, sisters that, that won gold at Sydney and, so there's a few, but I think that identical side of things creates a bit more of a stir um, than anything. Um, working out who was, who's going to wear the long sleeve, who's wearing the short sleeve, who's wearing the armband, what's Hamish wearing, you know, the commentators. You always got asked by the scorers. Um, we never really, I think Hamish would agree, we just wore what we wanted to wear um, and sort of made them work it out as quickly as they can. Um, you know, sort of, we wanted to be as comfortable as we were. But yeah, definitely got a fair bit of, Publicity, mum and dad, um, you know, they they went to, crikey, since I can remember, they went to all our group games. So it was never going to change when it got to test level. 
um, or international level. So it was great to have them there and brother and sister and um, yeah, a lot of family you know, fr- and friends. So pretty, uh, pretty special day. James, J- James mentioned, you know, when you, once you're out there against the Aussies and you've maybe shown that you can hold your own a little bit against them and they tend to like start piping up. But obviously Shane Warren being, you know, probably one of the main candidates, I'd imagine, for, for, for sledging. But I'd imagine you two would have got targeted in that knock, but that partnership, because, you know, the identical twins, the brothers, I'd, I'd imagine the Aussies would have tried to bully you a little bit. Yeah, probably not as much as you think. I think, uh, but they're always quite tough and they certainly didn't act like you, though, your friend on the field. Um, but they didn't, they weren't abusive. And that's the beauty of, I think, talk about Australians and sledging. I, I never really felt like they were abusive. They were always quite respectful, but you never felt comfortable around them because they were so hungry to win and you were the enemy. Uh, but then I remember the, I remember after that game, your debut, James, we were in that change room afterwards. It's quite fond memories of, you came in, you wanted your shirt signed, and I think Glenn McGrath or someone took it off you and walked it around the change room, got all the Aussie boys to sign it for you. So there was that on the field and off the field, they talk about it, you know, d- different people, you're on the field, you're there for business, and then off the field, it was the end of the series, and you could have a catch-up and get to know some of the guys. And, um, you know, you look at it now and you see, see these legends of the game, and they're taking a, a debutante shirt and getting it signed by all these top players from Australia, which was those are the sort of things you remember and, um, and respect. I, I can't get, I, I was looking at your, I'm looking at both your records and, and yours in particular, Hamish, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm seeing 13 test matches. And amongst those 13 test matches, I'm seeing a couple of test tons, a couple of test fifties. And one knock that stands out to me, we're staying on the subject of the Aussies is, and I remember watching this knock, obviously I knew you, I'd played club cricket with you. So when you see somebody on the big stage, you know, you're eager to see how they're going to do it. You, you scored a 146 against Australia. And I remember it very, very well. I mean, you looked like you were so comfortable at that level. It just it looked easy, easy at some points. What's your memory of that knock? Um, <clears throat> oh, it's a fond memory. I remember at the time... I think I was, I was just batting and that was the beauty of it. I just remember I didn't, wasn't really, didn't fear anything. I wasn't, I mean, obviously you sort of have that, you don't want to get out, but I, I didn't fear getting out. Um, I knew the opposition respected them massively, but in terms of that innings, you, it just felt like you're in a bit of a, they call it, the, I guess, the zone, but you're just in a phase where you just bat and, um, and you know, never in a rush. And it just seemed to just sort of come off. It was one of those days, but I, I've been having a reasonable sort of a summer and, and some of the one days. And so I wasn't going in with any, a lot of pressure in terms of form. So that made it a little bit easier. The wicket itself, you couldn't ask for a, a better wicket. It was an absolute bout. I started to turn a bit on the last few days and Warren got a few wickets, but uh, it was a lovely wicket to bat on. And yeah, once you got in, it just felt like, um, yeah, it just basically as simple as just batted and it sort of seemed to come off. So um, yeah, it's a, it certainly is probably my favourite innings, no doubt. Uh, just looking back and still do sometimes go check it got to pinch yourself. They got that opportunity and then still manage to put in a good performance. No, serious, serious achievement. I don't think it gets much bigger. Not many people score 100 against the Aussies, let alone a big 100 like that. So, you know, unbelievable. James, seven test matches. Um, to me, looking on, and I did watch, you actually watched your, your 50 um, against Sri Lanka, which I thought you, you know, you, 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 gutsed out and you batted and you concentrated hard for a, for a tough knock, but it looked like it never just quite clicked for you. You seemed to have a tough introduction to it, and I think probably you probably could have done better, maybe if you got a little bit longer, but was it a matter of a little bit of luck on your side as well? You need a little bit of luck at, at, at that level when you first kick, first start your career? I think um, anything you need a little bit of luck, but it doesn't necessarily define um, the start of your career or anything like that. It just, I think the, the thing for me was I, I had an okay start. I never, I had quite a few starts in test cricket. There's probably, you know, two or three in the twenties and a 30 and a, and a 50. And then the rest are, you know, near on zero. Nought. So I had opportunities to turn 30, 20, 30 and, and 50 into a couple of hundreds. And I think that's really what it came down to. You, you, you've got to take those little opportunities. Your job is, Yes, you can you can get out under ten, and that's something that's the game. But if you get that opportunity to get in, you you've got to grab it, and that's that's probably the the one thing I do regret is I did actually do the hard work and got in, you know, four or five times. 
but then just, you know, lack of concentration and silly stuff. And at test level, and if you want a long career, you just can't make those silly mistakes, whether it's your, you know, your first five, 10 games or, you know, or you're in your 80th to 100. So, yeah, it's um, frustrating to when you look at those stats, but I, I knew I could, I, I could, I, I, that level I was, you know, I was capable. Um, yeah, I just, you know, a little bit longer might have been nice, but it really was down to me to, you know, to earn that right to get that that extra, you know, three or four tests to sort of prove myself. Yeah. Um, it's not easy at that level, eh? It's, uh, you're in amongst the, the best of the best. There's somebody chapping the door at all times that wants your spot. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really anyone that achieves and, and is successful in test cricket, uh, you know, I, I admire them massively. But um, from there, you both also, I mean, Hamish, do you think you should have played a bit more test cricket? And like I mentioned, in 13 test matches, you were doing all right. If, if looking on from from the at the outside, you, you've proven that you can play against the best of the best. Do you think you should have had a bit bit more of a chance? Um, oh, I guess I cut that short myself by um, by leaving New Zealand. If if there was you know more opportunities ahead at the time, I remember there was a pe- period I might have had a most of those tests all came in, in a, sort of a couple of years. And then there was a period before the 2007 World Cup of maybe 18 months, and there might have been New Zealand might have had oh, maybe three tests, not many tests. It was really, really strange time. They didn't have a lot of tests in the calendar, so there was a period there where I may have played a little few more games if I was informed. But in terms of the amount that was being played during those years, they weren't there to play. So it was a bit of a shame. But look, yeah, having left New Zealand and given up the opportunity at 27 and went over to England. Um, you know, that that basically gave me no chance of playing any more tests anyway, I guess. Any regrets with that? Oh, no, no. I mean, I I had to think pretty hard about it, I won't lie. And I'd, I'd probably struggled for a bit of form in the last 12 to 18 months of my time with New Zealand. And I got to England and I had the Irish passport. So I thought, oh, well, they actually said to me, I was talking to one of the players, Alex Gidman, who was, who was a very good friend, and he sort of brought it up. And... Um, so I just had the conversation at Gloucester and uh, ended up getting a, a pretty lengthy deal at the time and thought, well, it's worth sort of staying here. I enjoy it. I loved county cricket, absolutely loved it. So uh, it was just whether I wanted to give up that opportunity to, to play for New Zealand again. And um, I had a pretty, I, I felt like I'd, you know, played pretty well. I wasn't, I was pretty proud that I got the opportunity to play for New Zealand for a start. So yeah, I was going to miss all the players and, and that and a bit of touring, but I loved county cricket. So it wasn't in the end, it was just a, an okay decision or pretty easy decision to make. ODI cricket, both of you experienced ODI cricket as well. James, you you had 10 ODIs with an average of 25. But the one knock that stands out for me is I'll never forget. It's, it's weird when you actually, when I sat down and thought about this podcast and, and thought about some memories along the way that I've had where I've come across both of you um, on, on cricket fields. And one that stands out to me was I was driving to Aberdeen and we were due, it was a tri-series between the, the Black Caps, Ireland and Scotland and sunny Aberdeen, a uh, lovely warm place. That's, a, that's an exaggeration. Um, and I was getting updates of the score. There was a game going on between Ireland and uh, New Zealand at the time. Now, you and Brendan McCullum, McCullum opened the batting. I believe he broke a world record. I think it was about 274 for the opening stand. Um, and you went on to make a massive 100, 161. What was in the, must have been the Scottish water or something, mate? I don't know, crikey. I, I think it was warmer being out there with your gloves and pads on than it was sitting in the hutch, you know, so it was more of a, a reason to stay out there. But that was, it was an interesting, actually, interesting day. It was, it was cold. The wicket was a wee bit sticky um, and it did a little bit. It wasn't too bad, but when you got Brendan McCallum that puts the bowlers under pressure, it sort of yeah, it creates opportunities to score, you know, for me at the other end as well. So um, yeah, we got a, we we had a little bit of luck early, um, played and missed a few times, but then just got into a rhythm and and you sort of and I think Brendan might have got his in 120 balls, 165, or but most of that he he struggled at the beginning and most of that came at the back end and it was the last hundred runs was just um, unbelievable and, and he just. It, absolutely belted it everywhere um and it was a pleasure to be standing at the other end watching that and then at the end I sort of got a few away and, and, and got up to 160 but it was fun yeah really fond memory I think my 
my one day with Korea was quite interesting because I played, I think, 10, as you say, and I think I batted every position from one to seven or eight. So I never really had, I never got a, a stint in, in one position, a sort of a bit more of a fill in here, fill in there, and, you know, on tours and within the squad, but, you know, a lot of times 12th man as well. Um, but, you know, any opportunity I tried to take, but I seemed to take them when I was at the top of the order more than I did down to the middle and lower. Yeah, because looking at you and when you read up on you, it, it, it states that you were predominantly more a top to middle order batsman. So I'm, I'm thinking probably more four or five probably suits you, whereas the Black Caps did try to make an opener out of you, which is not a not an easy thing to just click off and, and go into that role. It's a totally different role. Yeah, but I, I opened most of my career, I wouldn't say most of it, probably the first seven or eight years of, you know, first half of my career, I was definitely batting at the top of the order. Um, and I enjoyed that. And I, I think when I was at the top of the order, you've got that freedom just to take a few more balls in um, and just uh, and slowly work into your innings. Sometimes when you come into that middle of the innings, you can sort of do the same, but it is really important to rotate um, as well. But, so I think having that opportunity just to settle in at the top of the innings at times probably suited me maybe a little bit more um, in one day cricket, especially at that international level. But um yeah, look, I was, I was just happy to be out there. I mean, I would have liked to have had a position for a bit longer, but the fact that you're playing for your country, um, you, you'll, you'll bet where you can to try and, you know, have an impact you, on the um, game. You went, you went on the following the following day to play against uh, to play against Scotland. Um, I actually had the pleasure of of playing playing in that game. It was a sensible decision this time round. I was telling you before we came on, I once played a game in Whangarei and I decided to walk out without a helmet to face Tim Southey. Probably the most humbling life experience I've ever had in my life. You know, it was short-lived, bounced, thought to myself, that's a lot quicker than I was expecting that to be. Then got pinned on my elbow, just under the elbow, and then my middle stump. I called for the helmet after the second ball, so it was getting really embarrassing. It was a horrible, horrible time. Then got my middle middle pole cartwheeled. So I walked out in the morning um, and he must have recognised me. It had only been recently I'd been over there and he said to me, oh, you planning on wearing a helmet today? And I was like, yeah, Chief, definitely, definitely planning on wearing a helmet. But what a, what a team that came over. I mean, one thing I remember, you must, have, you must have felt small on this team. The Black Caps, the guys are all huge. You must have always felt quite small in that changing room. Like the guy, Elliot, who opened the batting. You had Jacob Orham. Yeah, these guys were all huge. You had um, you had what Peter Fulton, Oram, um, even Victoria Dan Peter was Fulton. tall. Michael Mason, yeah, all tall. And all um, tall. Sam, uh, Tim Southey. Um, you know, we had some. Yeah, it was me, me and Baz. We sort of kept the the average height down a little bit. How did you enjoy your uh, your time in, in Aberdeen? Did you go out and check the sites at all? Uh, we had a little look around. It was uh, pretty short and sharp. We arrived, um, had a little bit of a... I think we arrived, had a day off, trained the next day, and then played two days in a row, if I recall. And then um, and then we might have flown out the next day. So we didn't have much time sort of to get around. But, um, yeah, had a little look around the town. It was, it was nice. I remember, I think it's... Is it known for some, uh, all the buildings are made of the same rock or something? Because every building looked exactly the same or some stone or something. I, I do recall that. Um, it's particularly known for sheep. When down anyone near thinks the water and just had a look around. But that was good. Just didn't see enough of it. It wasn't there long enough, probably. I'm Aberdeen is particularly known for its sheep. There's a, there's a derogatory term that gets used towards Aberdeen football fans, but I won't I won't I won't say it on air. But it, it, it very much involves sheep. I'm from Glasgow, so it's about three hours away uh, for me. But no, like it was oh, great. Was it in well then? Yes, yes. It was uh, it was great to see you guys over. Um, you brought a great team. You played the game in a great spirit. Um, I, I got the chance to play with Ross Taylor at the MCC, so I was over the moon. I got his top after the game, still still got it now. And, and you were talking about the Aussies and how they were, but you guys were you guys were awesome after the game. You know, you spent time, you spoke to people, and that's that, that, that's what it's all about. Hamish, back to your good self. You had a bit of a longer ODI career, 66 ODIs. 
Um, you averaged 27.43 with a high score of 101. How do you look back on your ODI career? Uh, yeah, it, it started started pretty well. I was, again, lucky because of what I mentioned earlier, my tour of India where I'd got some runs. There was a second tour and I'd got a few more runs. And again, like my test career, um, there was a reason why I was picked and that was because a lot of guys pulled out of the India Pakistan tour and it gave guys like myself and a few others opportunities to go over there. And that's sort of when it started. And got a few runs and, and basically... For a couple of years there, it went pretty well, and then it just fell away again. So I look back on it and, you know, proud that I, you know, performed at certain periods, but then look, looking towards the end of it, it really faded away. And and the reason for that, I I, I was quite um, stuck in my ways and how I trained, and I never really evolved my game enough. And with analysis and when you're playing top players, they work you out pretty quick. And I think I sort of stayed the same as the game or players worked you out and, um, and that, and then you lose form and then you lose confidence and, and that's sort of probably how it all ended for me It's interesting you both talk about that what's it like I mean batting is tough you know when you're out of form you really are out of, you're out of form you don't know where your next run is going to come from on top of that you're playing against some of the best cricketers in the world how do you how do you, you guys deal with the mental side of things when you're sitting in a hotel room or you're waiting to go out the, the following day whether it's for Northern Districts or for the Black Caps and you're under pressure What's that like? What was that? What was that feeling like for you? It was um, wasn't wasn't too bad. Again, when you're in form, it's fine, right? You just sort of get on with it and you go with the flow. And they always say, look, when you're in form, make the most of it because you'll get into bad nick. I, I guess I didn't handle um, bad form very well. On the outside, I tried to. Um, I was always trying to get around the team and have fun and, and be. Um, a, a real team man to a degree, but then on the inside, I was battling with my own with my own self uh, a lot of the time. And uh, I guess it was sort of around the time where mental skills were coming in a lot more and dealing with that. And um, looking back, it was probably something I could have managed a lot better. Um, but I go back to it. You put that together with trying to evolve your game, um, and you you might improve your game and be a better player. And I certainly think at that level, where you do get exposed and found out media wise you know, mates or walking down the street, people will always have a comment. So there's all that side of it as well that you've got to learn to deal with. James, pressure's at the, the highest level? Yeah, it's it's a funny thing because it, it, it's a lonely place when you're out of neck. Um, as Hamish said, you're sort of on the outside, you're all bat, bouncy and bubbly, but on the inside, it can be quite lonely because um, I think we were probably that, that age or that era where you, you're coming through as kids in the 90s and it was always like about don't show weakness, don't show pain. If you got hit by a cricket ball, don't rub it. Um, all that sort of mentality. And you, you sort of took that in, you know, you took that into your career and you, you didn't want to show weakness in that. And so you didn't want to open up as much. And I think now it's, it's so much more encouraged and it's definitely more, he- it's more healthy for your game to get back into Nick. Um, some, like I didn't, I wasn't um, like, uh, was it, you know, I didn't have any mental illnesses or, you know, Instantly break down, but you just you just felt lonely and it was just a bit tough. Um, and people just uh, deal with it very differently. But I think these days um, you're encouraged to really open up, and and it's not a weakness to sort of say, "Hey, I'm out of neck, I'm struggling." Um, it's actually it's a it's a faster track to get out of neck. Uh, sorry, to get back into neck um, by actually opening up and, and and not being afraid of it. So yeah, it, it wasn't easy, but. You know, what I always knew is you just got on with it and you put your head down and you just tried to grind your way out of it. Um, and that was how it was always it always was with me. Do you think you would have thrived in this current era, both of you? Oh, don't think I hit the, don't think I hit the ball big enough to play 2020 because that sort of seems to be where the game goes. But um, I think we, yeah, our games would have adapted because, you know, every era... Um, and you look now, um, all these kids have grown up watching a lot of 2020 and uh, preparing for it and playing all these, you know, crazy shots. And, and it's so good to see. So there, there's, so much, there's so much more exposure. So in a way, in a way, they're prepped, they're ready. They know what they're going into. Um, and so, you know, if we'd grown up maybe in the, you know, 10, 15 years later, would we be, um, would we be the same? Um, I don't think we would be the same players. I think the environment and the way the game evolves every five or 10 years, um, we, you would evolve with it um, and found other ways and, and new coaching techniques, all that sort of thing. So 
Um, we put a, had a similar sort of game, but I think we would have also adapted it to sort of fit into where the game's gone to now. Yeah. Hamish, you mentioned Gloucestershire played a massive part in your career. I mean, you're talking 10 years plus. Um, you had a benefit season there. You you made the decision to to basically move over there long term with the hope of, of, of playing for Ireland eventually. How did you enjoy your time at Gloucestershire? I absolutely loved it. It was, uh, again, fond memories. I, yeah, as you said, 11 seasons there, 2006 to 16. I uh, lived in Bristol, and Bristol uh, is a awesome city to live in. I, I've pretty lucky when I went there, and I spoke to John Bracewell before I went because I knew he'd coached there, and he was coaching New Zealand at the time, and I, and I asked him about Bristol, and he couldn't. He spoke so highly of it, and when you got when you get there and you start to get into the city, you, you really see why it's you know, it's not far from the Cotswolds across to Wales. You're not far from London down south. It's, it's quite a good spot to be, and um, and the, the the club itself, um, an old club, obviously a lot of history with W. G. Grace from there, um, and and the players were welcoming some so some of the successful players because they had a I think they had a just before I got there, and they had a five trophies in, in eight years or something. So they had a pretty successful time and some of those players were still there. Uh, and even though you go as the overseas player, in some ways I wasn't as experienced as, uh, um, as a lot of those um, senior guys that were there. So it was great to play in that change room. And then county cricket's a different beast altogether. You know, you, you sometimes I was trying to tell guys, you know, you go to the Cheltenham Festival and you're there for um, 12 days and 11 of those are playing cricket. You know, you play five and then you play six days in a row with one day in the middle. Um, so it's a real, it's a real learning curve uh, on the body and the and the mental side of it. Uh, so it was just an awesome experience, and I was so glad I did it and got the opportunity to. James, did you never try to make your way over to the to the? Did you play any club cricket or anything? Did you experience much over here? Yeah, no, I played a, a bit of club cricket. Um, up in Liverpool, had six seasons in Liverpool for a couple of clubs there. One was Formby and one was Cros- uh, Northern Cricket Club in Crosby. Um, and then I had a Black Caps tour and eight, a New Zealand A tour and, and a couple more seasons, one in, in London and one over in um, in Norfolk. So, um, yeah, no, I, I had some really enjoyable times over there. I had a couple of opportunities to, to go and join county teams. Um, but I just, I, I think... Once I, I, I and that was sort of in the mid two thousands, but around when Hamish Hamish had just gone over in two thousand seven, and uh, oh, sorry, late late two thousand say um, two thousand seven. I had a couple of offers a couple of years later, but I still wanted to play for the Black Caps, and I was still at the time you know good enough to play for them. But I just never got that other another opportunity after two thousand eight, um, and it just ended up that you know a couple of years or three years later I retired. Um, so yeah, I didn't really take up the opportunity. I would have liked to. Hamish, you know, raved about the county scene and, and all that thing. And I went over and watched a few of his games and caught up with him in Gloucester. But yeah, just never sort of just got too late to really commit to it. You know, I sort of started to set up a bit of a life here in, in New Zealand and it just was never going to happen, I suppose, by about 2010. Well, at least you got over. You experienced some, uh, I'd imagine, a couple of cold days in Liverpool on a couple of Saturday afternoons. Um, I'd imagine you Kiwis found it a little bit cold over here. You especially because you didn't spend quite as much time as Hamish. Did the did the the famous hair keep you boys warm over here? Yeah, we, we <laughs> I remember it, my, we my, I remember my first um was it ninety-nine I went to Liverpool first time and I arrived there and the next after and went straight to training. I must have landed about midday and went straight to the team training and hit, hit the ball around. It was a bit stiff the next day. I hadn't played cricket for a few weeks in New Zealand, so I was just a bit stiff. And I, a, a young fellow invited me to go take me into Liverpool and show me Liverpool. So I jumped on the train. I got into Liverpool, and I was freezing. And it started snowing at sea level, and I'd never seen snow at sea level, in, let alone in Liverpool. I didn't realise. And I could not believe it um, at all. And I remember that weekend we had a game with two games, and I got a, a I don't, might have got 10 in the first game. So you're always under pressure your first time in England, you're overseas. Next game, I got a few runs and um, I was betting well and it got quite a big hundred. But at drinks time, the skipper came out. I ordered, I called a drink and he ran out and he bought me a whiskey because it was so cold. Instead of giving me water, gave me a whiskey to warm the body up and crikey. So those are, you know, I, I put, pretty much learned what the Scousers were like, the characters. So, um, yeah, thoroughly, yeah, yeah, no, thoroughly enjoyed the time out there. It's a lively, li- lively city. They are, they are characters for sure. So I'm sure you, 
you you learnt a lot about the culture while you're over there. I also hear they, they have a they, they like a jolly on a Friday Saturday night. So I'm sure you uh, you enjoyed yourself a few times over here as well. Oh, I, I well and truly looked after um, in England and especially Liverpool. I, with six years here, you, you've, I've got a lot of good mates still um, in in, in uh, sort of Formby and, and Crosby around there. And, yeah, always in contact, always touching base. Um, yeah, some really fond memories of my time um, up there. And, and oh, England, I loved England. You know, I could have gone back every year if I wanted to. Just a couple of years, I decided to stay in New Zealand, have a bit of a break. But I, I loved England. I thoroughly enjoyed those summers over there, playing your cricket, um, just the, the the people. You know, everyone was so friendly. You know, you'd, every weekend, you're invited to some sort of barbecue or, or event. So, no, it was a, a really in, enjoyable time. Hamish, what happened with the whole Irish thing? I mean, you mentioned you had an Irish passport. I mean, has that come through? How, how did how did that how did that come about? Have you, have you got a parent or, that's born in Ireland, or what was the background? It was uh, so that was Dad's father. So he was born in um, I think Cork. So we we had the Irish passport, which was a bonus. And Dad and my uncle got it for all us um, sort of for our siblings, and we um, yeah we we managed to sort of snaffle it before the rules came in and you couldn't use your grandfather and we had it. So it was, it was a real bonus. So why didn't it come to fruition that you, that you, that you played for Ireland? Oh, I was disappointed really. I was really keen and I went away before the 2011 world cup with them to India. And it was, it was all looking like I'd play for them at some stage that actually making that world cup side was touch and go. And I don't think I was going to be, allowed because you have to stand down for four years once you played for New Zealand and my last game for New Zealand was at the 2007 World Cup so that was touch and go and I think I got told I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to go on that tour so I was like oh, okay that's fair enough you know the rules are rules but still keen to play for them but then the Gloucester got in touch and I was playing there as a local with the Irish passport not as an overseas or a Colpac so in the county setup, you can be a local if you've played for one country but if you play for another country outside of England so two then you're not, you can't qualify for a third country. Therefore, I wouldn't be eligible for the um, the English side, which wouldn't make me a local. And that puts pressure on the club because then you can't have too many overseas players or too many Colpac players. So effectively, it would have changed my contract and things, things like that. So I had to make a decision. And county cricket was at the time, it was my bread and butter in terms of income. So I... Yeah, I just went with that, and um, and I had to sort of say goodbye to um, Irish cricket, which was a real shame. I loved the the lads. A lot of them are just sort of retiring now. The Porterfields, O'Briens, Wilsons, and things that that were involved. Ed Joyce had just joined them again, so it was a real good time to be involved in Ireland cricket. And uh, yeah, just it wasn't to be, unfortunately. So yeah, disappointing, but um, you know that's that, that's what happens. I'm sure Scotland weren't complaining at the time. We had we had enough to deal with with the Irish. Uh, with the likes of Ed Joyce, as you mentioned, without you coming into the batting lineup as well. So Gloucester, Gloucester, Gloucester was meant to be, and I think you went on there. You were like part of the furniture there by the end. You know, you had a great benefit season as well. That must have been a special, special year for you. Yeah, it was. It was also the year. I think when I was there, I got to two finals. One was a 2020 finals day, and we got to the final in 2007, and then. It was pretty barren there for a while, and we um, we got to the final at Lords in 2015 as well. So the benefit was great, um, and to have that in your benefit year was pretty special. Uh, a Lords final, you hear about it, and a lot of the um, older guys when I first joined Gloucester had been to five. So I was um, I, I was sort of one of those guys to think I'll never get that chance, but it was brilliant to get involved in that. But yeah, no, I, I certainly had been there for a long time. It was hard to leave. It was hard to sort of retire from from there and come home, but opportunity was back here and had to say goodbye and fond memories. But I, I look back at it, you know, met some great players when I was there. Um, the, the supporters were brilliant. That's the one thing I love about county cricket is the support you get. You come to New Zealand and there's some people that love the game, but not many come to the, the first class um, to the first class games. So you, you often play in front of a you know, small crowd, whereas in England you can play in front of, you know, a, a couple of thousand. And I mentioned the... Um, the Chapman Festival, which is a pretty special occasion, that's often up to sort of 5,000 people. So those sorts of days are, are brilliant when you're playing your whites and you've got people you know, supporting you and there's a bit of atmosphere. Just before I come into the back end of the of the pod, there's I need to mention this. When, when I was doing some research on you, um, you came up as a real controversial situation once um, that involved uh, the, the ICL tournament in India, I believe. 
Um, and it just seemed like your name was in the middle of all this. You looked to upset two different boards. Tendulkar wasn't playing anymore. What did you do, mate? Uh, yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about here. Um, my involvement in the ICL uh, at the time, the BCCI, it clashed with um, with them, and therefore anything, any player who was playing in a game um, who played for the ICL, in the ICL, no Indian players were allowed to be involved. And there was a game here where I live now, Wellington, and there was a New Zealand Players Association versus the Australian Players Association. It was a game, and, and players were being flown over from Australia. It was going to be a great occasion, but some of the Indian players, and Tendulkar was one of them, needed a, a bit of a knock before the Test Series, I think. So they, they asked New Zealand Cricket if they could play, but on one condition if I didn't play because because um, I'd played in the ICL. And I was and I was here and I was like, oh. and I said to Heath, and I said, oh, look, mate, I'll do whatever's best. But in the end, the call was, look, you're, you're part of the New Zealand Player Association, so, you know, we're not going to tell you not to play for people who are not. Um, so, unfortunately for um, the public, uh, they didn't get to see Tendulkar play in that game. I think I even got stick from my teammates. They were like, Hamish, it was our only opportunity to play with Session, and you've ruined it. You've ruined it, mate. We're all sitting here and we're getting to, we have to look at you. We'd far rather look at Session and chat to him. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a bit controversial, but um, yeah, one of those things. Well, at least your name's linked to the great Sachin Tendulkar. Um, you kept him out of a team once. So that's something to be. That's something well, to be yeah. yeah, no one needs to know why. <laughs> <laughs> Chaps, what would be the best advice you could give to, to any young sports people out there? And I want, it, I want, I want your, both your takes on this. Whether it's cricket, whether it's rugby, whether it's football, what would be your advice? Um, I think if, if I, I certainly do this with my son now, I, I think if you're young and you have a sport you love, by all means, give it everything. And, and, but I think you've, at a young age, he's only 10, but I think right through to about 15, I think you've got to play more than, I believe you've got to play a lot more than just the one sport. Don't specialise too early. Play plenty of sports. I think if you look at a lot of the All Blacks and, and even the Black Caps, um, a lot of them have had they had careers at school and or uh, well, not careers, but sporting occasions and first of things if they played for the Black Caps or vice versa. And I think it really helps your sport later on to to have that um, diversity of playing all sorts of things. Like I mentioned earlier, James and I played touch and tennis and all these little things. And I think without knowing it, they probably help the sport you end up playing a lot more of later on in life just by um, little skills that they, they produce for us. It might have been the agility you need in touch, the fielding and the speed and off the mark and little things like that that you don't know at the time because you're having fun, but it helps you in the long run. James? Yeah, I think um, very similar to Hamish. Um, I think it's really important that kids play a, you know, a whole, whole round of sports um, just to develop all sorts of skills. But there's also... For me, another one is that you don't, it doesn't have to be perfect every time. Um, I think sometimes kids can really be hard on themselves and get very disappointed because of one performance or, or one result. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can, you can win ugly and you can, you can lose, you know, playing the best game of your life but still lose. Now, that's just, that's just sport, and I think that's what you've got to embrace. So I think the big one is just it's, it's not always going to be perfect. So, you know, take the good with the bad, play every sport, evolve your game, Love every sport, as more as many sports as you can. But you just, you know, don't don't fear failure. It's part of actually what gets you to a certain level and makes you better is actually recognizing your failing failings and um, and improving on them. And um, yeah, it just doesn't have to be perfect. Great advice, chaps. Great advice. Where's life now then for the for the Marshall brothers? What what you doing with yourself? Your family man. You're both fathers now. You know, what are you doing with your careers and stuff like that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I've moved back to New Zealand. I'm in Wellington, um, working in insurance, but still playing a bit of cricket. I've probably last year was I played, might have got one day, one day of club cricket in because my kids are getting older and I'm enjoying watching their sport and um, having my weekends a bit freer. But 42 now, so the rig doesn't, um, doesn't allow me to play at, at such a level. But... Yes, that's pretty much it now. Just enjoying family time and getting out and about. Um, the golf handicap, trying to get that down as far as possible. It's not, uh, it's not moving too quickly. What about yourself, James? Uh, yeah, up in Auckland. Um, playing, still play a little bit of, bit of cricket, but a bit like Hamish. Um, very 
very much got you know two young young kids that are busy in their sport and I think pretty much every day there's something going on um, which you know I, I really enjoy but still get up up to the uh, the old career club where Hamish and I started and play a few games during the during the summer and and then work wise just in, in, in insurance uh, sorry not in Hamish insurance I'm in uh, commercial property so um, yeah no really enjoying that and um, yeah loving my time in Auckland I think Hamish is telling a bit of a fib about getting one one game of cricket and it might have been for his club but he was able to find a a good two-week tour throughout New Zealand last year where I think his, his liver got a hiding. So there's plenty of room for Hamish and cricket, I can tell you now. You, you know those um, those teams in England, the, the jazz hatty type teams, we call it kindred cricket over here, kindred spirits. There's a few teams, uh, old Tablelands, who I play for, a bunch of top men who we go on tour, and then the Wanderers. So it's sort of now, at that age where I'm enjoying that sort of cricket, you know, lads who love the game, uh, and you have a really good time, but you also play in some pretty cool places and with some pretty cool people. So um, I'm enjoying that side of it now, you know, just getting the jazz hat on and, and he- heading out to out into the middle. Oh, this is good to hear that you still play a little bit. Um, but as you say, having kids changes things. And, you know, you've uh, I'd imagine you're still getting invited to some tournaments here and there. I think you played in a... In a, in a legends one as well, not so long ago. That was that was about three, four years ago now. But you got invited to play. Was that in India? Uh, oh, that was me. Is that me? I I played. I'm not sure about legends. I wouldn't put myself in a legends um, category. Uh, I played in the Black Clash, which is probably uh, maybe what you're talking about, which is All Blacks, ex All Blacks, or current All Blacks um, against uh, a. a ex Black Caps team, really, and uh, we play a game of cricket, and it's well supported. The public love it. Uh, and we, yeah, we have a really good time. It's a good catch up, actually. And it's just a battle. The rugby boys want to talk cricket and the cricket boys want to talk rugby. What about you two? You know, identical twins, grown up together, spent so much time together. What is it like now? How far? I don't really know the, di- the distance between Auckland and Wellington. Is the distance welcomed or do you miss each other? You've obviously got kids now, you know, cousins wanting to see each other. How often do you do you get to catch up? Oh, I'd probably say Hamish. I mean, maybe maybe half a t- dozen times during the year, maybe maybe a, a bit more. Um, you get so busy with your life, getting up and down the country to to catch up isn't always easy. Um, but yeah, we, we would catch up a, a fair bit. But it was it's quite interesting because we spent so much time you know away from our families with at a young age with with cricket. Um, you know, times when Hamish and I you would catch up on the phone. Really, we wouldn't see each other sometimes for you know a year, 12, 18 months. Um, and, and, uh, goodness gracious. And, um, and, and, and we just carry on where we left off. Even if it's been a year, we just carry on where it left off. It was crazy. Hello. How many kids have both of you, have both of you got now? This is your, this is your, your older one, uh, your daughter? No, this is my younger daughter. She's seven and I've got an older son, Sam. Ten. Who's ten? Near okay. on ten, but he's. Funny thing, Sam. Sam's hair is longer than mine, but exactly the same. I seen a picture, mate. I seen a picture. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite crazy. And Hamish is in it. And Hamish will explain, but his kids are. Willis here's got a bit of curl as well, but Hamish's kids have both got dead straight. So it's sort of quite a, quite weird how one sort of gets the curls and the other one doesn't. How old are your kids, Hamish? Well, I've got uh, Ollie, who's ten, and Isla, who's eight. Ah, two girls, two girls. Uh, so they must miss, they all must miss each other. Getting, have you got any plans for Christmas? Are the Marshall family going to be all getting together? We're locked yeah, we're heading up, we are heading up home. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we try to catch up regularly. I often take the kids up uh, away from Christmas as well um, to see uh, all the family because our family is still up near James. In fact, if James says we see us, uh, each other six times a year, it's because I fly to Auckland all the time. He never comes down to Wellington. Um, so at the moment though, at the moment he's stuck in Auckland, so I'm not complaining because he's in level two lockdown and we're in Wellington and we're able to get out and about and sort of enjoy, enjoy the, um. There's just more to do in Auckland. So you sort of want to get out of Wellington. That's the reason. I I, I think the next visit, once lockdown is lifted, has to be James heading over to Wellington with the family. I tell you, I was meant to head down to Wellington twice in the last seven weeks. 
both because we're in lockdown, no one can leave Auckland. We're this little bubble, which is the rest of the country don't want us spreading the, the virus around. So we're locked in. Um, but I was meant to go down and see him, and it would have been a good catch-up. But a golf and I think an all-black rugby test. So it was two events I was looking forward to. Well, then oh, we, had guns and roses. we had Guns and Roses as well, James. We booked in for that. Oof. That's right. Coming down to Wellington. So I was actually, I had three trips planned in the uh, for the back end of this year. <laughs> all canned. All gone. Yeah. Well, listen, mm. hopefully you can get something booked very soon. Hopefully you'll be out of lockdown soon. Um, and, and look, I just want to say thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you both, going through, going through your respective careers, which have tended to be side by side. I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. And you, you've brought so much, so much pride to your family, I'd imagine as well. Two identical twin brothers, both playing for their country. It doesn't get bigger than that. Yeah, cheers, Jake. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Cheers, Gordon. Thank you. Pleasure being on here.